Hello, Kristen here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you that the antidote is a thing that's happening. It's a series of monthly gatherings that will help you return to your body and your being over and over again in the face of, you know, 2024, election insanity, climate change, global wars, your own personal stuff, other stuff. It's crazy out there. And it's easy to abandon yourself and freak out. The antidote is for bringing you home to yourself so that you can be safe in your being even when the world outside of you feels objectively unsafe. And because everybody's marketing at you and there's no reason for you to believe me, you can head to jointheantidote.com to grab a free recording of the first session that happened this week so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Hello and welcome to episode number five of M School. This is called Making Meaning. I am torn between the brewery next door making random assorted very loud noises and there being a puppy on my lap of sleeping and the puppy wins. So if you're like, is there a weird rumbling in the back? Yes. Yes, there is. And I apologize. They've been making noises as soon as I hit the record button many, many times. So I'm going to go really quickly and let's talk about making meaning as it relates to your life in general. And then we'll talk about it in business for the rest of the episode. So making meaning, it can't happen without silence, stillness, and space. If you are too busy rushing from one thing to the next to process any of your experiences or your emotions, anything that's happening to you, whether internally or externally, life is going to seem pretty shallow and pretty pointless pretty quickly because you will lack the time and energy and attention to explore and express everything that's going on within you and outside of you. So in order to avoid that shallow pointlessness, you have to actively make meaning. And space is a class that I made that's 21 days long to get you to the point of step zero. So step one is do something, make something, come up with something, create something, market something. Step zero is make the actual space that's necessary in order to be able to do that thing or to allow room for that to come in. So it's this very, very crowded space that we live in, in which you're just mentally constantly being bombarded and emotionally and your inbox is full and you've got messages here and messages there and messages everywhere and internally you lose space as well as in your brain and with your creativity and all your juices and all the parts of you that make you really interesting can be crowded out by just scroll time and things that happen on your phone that are not really important like playing games. So space is about your phone, but it's also about regaining the room in your life that didn't used to be occupied by your phone because smartphones have only been around for 10 years. So space is about 
um, you get an email a day for 21 days. There's a task. It tells you what to do. There's a GIF because GIFs. And then there's a link in general to a science article about the thing that I'm asking you to do. So you know that it's not just arbitrary, but that it is based in facts and evidence and all that good stuff. So you know I'm just not being mean. They're short because the point is to do the thing, not to read more about the thing or contemplate the thing or journal about the thing. So this is not an introspective, why am I addicted to my phone class? This is a, let's stop being addicted to your phone class. Two very different things. And a bunch of people did a bunch of really cool stuff when they took this class. For example, they subscribed from 20 to 50 email newsletters. They deleted social plat media platforms, and then they left them deleted when the course ended. They cut their phone time in half. In one case, that was by more than four hours a day. Uh, Emily, who took the class, says, I can feel when I need a day off, and then when I take it, I trust myself to know what to do with the time. I'm not beating myself up anymore. And Barbara from Austria, who took the class, said there are quite a few things that I have known, and some things are new and hard, but I noticed something. I don't love my phone as much in the beginning as in the beginning. I mean, I like it, and I like the features and the possibility to get in touch with my loved ones, but I'm not obsessed anymore. It's okay to leave the phone at home when I have to make some quick groceries, but the best thing is there are moments through the day where I didn't know exactly where my phone is, and that's a new experience for me. It's so freeing, and it actually makes space as you promised. So there you go. If you're like, oh my God, there are too many things going on. I have too much stuff on my calendar and you feel overwhelmed by simply the number of things you have to do, let alone the amount of scrolling that you're doing or the amount of just consumption of stuff that happens with emails and social media and texting and YouTube and newsletters and up podcasts and updates and just the endless sort of notifications that you can get stuck in. This is a way out of that in a simple, sustainable way. So it's not throw your phone in the toilet and then pick it up 21 days later, though that would be nice sometimes. It is what is a step that you can take today to be a little bit less addicted to your phone than you were yesterday? And how can we make screens a thing that are in your life, but not a thing that, that, that runs your life, that rules your life, that controls your life in any capacity? What might that life look like for you? That's what space is here to do. You can pick up the class at kristenkelp.com slash space. It's $69 and we start on June 11th. So that's soon-ish. I know my procrastinators are going to wait until the last minute, but it's worth doing. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. And there aren't many people in the world that don't need more space away from their phones. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoy this M School making meaning wonderfulness. I think it'll... Um, it'll do you some good. And let me know what you think. I am Kay at kristenkelp.com. You can hit the contact form at kristenkelp.com or uh, you can hit the Instagrams at K-K-A-L-P. Thank you. Puppy's awake. <laughs> and I will talk to you next week. Wingardium Leviosa. Stop, stop, stop. You're going to take someone's eye out. Besides, you're saying it wrong. It's Leviosa, not Leviosa. You do it then if you're so clever. Go on, go on. Wingardium Leviosa. Hello and welcome to M School Class 5. This is Making Meaning, in which we go deeper and a little bit darker, but then so much lighter at the end, so stick with me. 
It's easy to make meaning from the prettiest and best moments of our lives, but that is not my job, and that's not end school's job. Making meaning from failure is the most important act you'll undertake during our time together. But before you assume this is going to be heady or terrible or deep or weepy, I want you to stick with me. You know I'm going to entertain you, so do the things I ask, and I guarantee you'll be happy you did. Most importantly, please pause this sucker and list five of what you consider to be your biggest failures. You won't ever, ever have to share these with anyone, including me, but please go and write them down before you listen to the rest of this. There's a reason for that. Just trust me. Pause. Write them down. Make a note of them. Don't mentally note them. That does not count. Just so you know, write them down. That's the point. So pause and come back to me in a second. Okay, so failures, a chronicle. Let's talk about this, but let's start with me. That time, okay, those many, many, many times, I would steal away to grandma's house and mom would yell, don't have a bowl of ice cream before I left. So I would have two bowls of ice cream when I got through grandma's front door. I was five and six and seven and eight and nine and all the way to high school, finding ways to get through and around the rules. Failures, a chronicle. That time I laid on the floor in SEAL, which was called Special Education for Advanced Learners, SEAL, and Mrs. Spiso yelled at me for being so uncivilized. But the floor was cool blue tile against my cheek, and the stools we had to sit on were so uncomfortable. I was seven, listening to my body and delighting in my senses. That time I gave up on being the valedictorian of my high school because I refused to take an additional chemistry class my senior year. On previous episodes of Kristen Takes Chemistry, the worst burn our teacher had ever seen in her years of teaching. Goggles with tears floating up to my eyeballs and the inability to move my injured hand for weeks. I was 17, following my strengths and seeing that the sacrifice wasn't worth the payout. That time my book didn't get published even though I sent it out for a poetry contest I was sure I would win. I was 21 trying to share my gifts with the world. That time I closed my photography studio and was sure Brandcamp would have to die with it because no one listens to people who aren't photographers. Instead, book deal, ebooks, programs, coaching, the constant unfolding of the path. I was 30, honoring my deepest instinct. That time I was floating in the middle of the ocean and slammed my kayak paddle down and said, I want a divorce. I was 32, honoring the voices within me that didn't want to be married anymore and hadn't for quite some time. That time I held an event called Brand Camp for 132-ish peeps in the mountains of Pennsylvania and lost about 43 grand. I was 33, listening to every impulse within me that wanted to create something lovely and daring, big and bold and unpredictable. And oh boy, was it unpredictable. I had never felt so connected to my purpose for being on this planet. Getting around the rules, listening to my body, delighting in my senses, following my strengths, sharing my gifts, honoring my deepest instincts and the voices within me, creating something lovely and daring and big and bold and unpredictable. If you take those side effects out of context, they sound so wonderful and innocent, but each one came with a price, and that price was failure. The same is true for you. You try and it doesn't work. You tweak your goals. You give up on some dreams looking like you'd planned. You dig yourself out of debt or loss or shame or grief or terror, and you find a way to move on. When you catalog your failures, big or small, devastating or mildly entertaining, remember that they're the ways you learn to make meaning. 
We humans often learn our deepest lessons through pain and failure and what seems to be endless inner torture. We recommit to a hasty decision despite every fiber fiber of our being screaming that we shouldn't. We give up on dreams we held for years for what seems like no reason. We keep eating bigger and bigger bowls of ice cream. With time, we make meaning. We get to see the little Kristen, a second grader, lying peacefully on that blue floor and realize that she's rebelling in her own way. It's a quiet, gentle rebellion that doesn't give a fuck what her teacher thinks. We see the seeds that yield meaning later in life. When you look back at how freaking hard parts of your life were, or life is right now, and how much you believe yourself to be failing in some areas, you'll see the seeds beginning to blossom. Without giving up on being valedictorian, frankly, I would have way more burn scars all over my body, not just my right hand. Without Brandcamp, I wouldn't have known how deeply committed I am to having a business and to teaching. Without giving up on my marriage, I wouldn't have met the love of my life. So those five failures you wrote down before you knew what you were doing, let's come back to them. Without blank, I wouldn't have blank. Again, without blank, I wouldn't have blank. So pause here and fill that in for each one of them. And then come back to me. Once you can see why your failures are absolutely necessary, by the way, did you actually pause and do that? Because it's really fucking important that you not just think about it. There is something that happens when you write things down in your brain. It has been proven many times via science. So pause and do it. Once you can see why your failures are absolutely necessary pieces of this whole magical puzzle, we can go deeper to actively create more meaning. Why is your business here? What do you hope to do with it and through it and on behalf of it? I'll bet you have plenty of positive reasons. You can pause and write them down if you want. Because you must. Because creating is akin to breathing. Because you need the money and this happens to be working. Because you want your time to be your own. Because you want to teach your children that there are ways to make a place for yourself in the world that are unconventional. Often, though, these reasons alone come up short. They're nice, and they make me nod my head like, yeah, but they don't go any deeper than that perfunctory nod. Really, I'm in business because of my own personal Voldemorts. These are the big, giant enemies that I rail against in the name of making the world a better place. I hate muggle business advice that ignores the bigger picture and the deeper reasoning behind every action you take in business. I can't stand perfection porn, and actively choose to show my life's most vulnerable, tender, and undesirable bits. It pains me to watch people make decisions while actively ignoring, defeating, or numbing their intuition. It physically hurts me to watch people crumple under the weight of their unprocessed emotions instead of learning to process them and deal with them in some capacity. I'm offended by bad writing. Often, bad writing is humorless and technical, meant simply to convey information without simultaneously conveying any life, aliveness, or spark, or interest. These things, these Voldemorts, they're not pretty reasons for being in business. They're not listed on my website or in a manifesto anywhere. But when I'm tired and it's cloudy outside and I don't want to keep going, these are the reasons I wake up and do my work how to find your own personal Voldemorts. 
the things you rally against, the things that get you fired up or drive you crazy, the things you want to talk about changing or growing or eliminating in the name of getting out of your own way. I want you to fill in these blanks. Again, piece of paper, let's do this. I hate blank. And you can pause in between so I don't have to provide 45 second pauses for each one. It pains me to watch blank. And I'm not talking about horror films that you don't like to watch. I mean, in the world of your work and your business and your life, it pains me to watch blank. It physically hurts me to see people blank instead of blank. I'm truly offended by blank. And I'm not talking you're offended by seeing Donald Trump say racist things. Of course you're offended by that. There are parts of you that are offended and you're like, I don't know if I should be offended by that. Like bad writing for me is truly offensive. Um, and it isn't for most people. Uh, but that's because most people aren't as deeply committed to, um, to to the writing process and to mining their own depths as I am. And so there's a there's a what seems to be an incongruous reaction that's actually really really spot on in line with who I am in the world. If blank would stop happening, I'd be okay with giving up my business. And these are things that like that you're railing against but you don't necessarily um, believe will ever happen. Like if people not listening to their intuition would stop happening, I'd be okay with giving up my business. Absolutely, 100% done. That probably won't ever happen, but it's good to have big, big Voldemorts to fight against. Did you pause and do those things? I'm gonna repeat all of them once. So I hate blank. It pains me to watch blank. It physically hurts me to see people blank instead of blank. I'm offended by blank. If blank would stop happening, I'd be okay with giving up my business. Your asshole brain will probably say these are first world problems or they're not important or who are you to address them? Your asshole brain will say you're not ready to take these on or your work could never make a dent in these issues or circumstances or ways or of being. Um, your asshole brain is still an asshole. Your personal Voldemorts don't have to be listed on the front page of your website or shared with your clients. They're simply the reasons you return to being in business when things get tough, hard, difficult, or seemingly impossible. In some cases, they are by definition impossible. <laughs> the more deeply you're tuned into your magic, the more Voldemorts you find. When I had a photography business, I didn't have any Voldemorts. I was simply good at creating images and made them for a price. But when I started seeing business advice that was useless, generalized, boring, difficult to understand, or practically impossible to implement, I started writing a blog called Brain Camp. It was my first volley in the battle against the Voldemort of boring business advice. Just boring advice in general. Advice doesn't have to be boring. It can be fucking amazing. And teaching isn't something that you do because you can't or you don't know how. It's something you do because you fought down to the very deepest depths of you and you want to help other people do the same thing. And that is a Voldemort. What are you fighting against in your business? Write it down. Make a note of it. 
tack it somewhere you can see it, and remember that it's okay to change this or these, whatever is listed there, as time goes on. Your Voldemorts will change, shift, deepen, or disappear, but first, it's important to acknowledge that they exist in this moment. Those little kernels of anger or fear or irritation or like, ugh, frustration with the way the world is, those are important for being in business. So write them down. In a less dramatic fashion, you can also base your business around your Professor McGonagall's. Now, in the Harry Potter movies, there's a scene where Professor McGonagall sees the way that the whole battle against Voldemort, the final one, is going, and she calls the statues to come off of Hogwarts and fight. She is such a fearless leader in that moment. She rallies everyone around her to get them to give their very, very best in a final stand against Voldemort. What are you rallying around? Who is your Professor McGonagall calling the troops to battle when everyone else has left or been defeated? Who or what will stand up in the fray when it looks like certain doom? My McGonagall is soft and lovely. I'm spending this year donating half of what I deem my net profits uh, to flying kites. And it's I deem because of um, debts and other things, but that's another story. I'm helping people give portions of their businesses away. I'm making a small, small model of generosity in the world because often we assume that if we can't give away millions, we can't do anything at all. Your McGonagall goes on your website. It's a positive reason for doing what you do, and it makes meaning out of whatever it is you're selling. You can sell shoelaces or paintings or sparkly toothbrushes or what the world deems deeply meaningful things, whatever that is, no matter what, and still get people behind you making meaning when you rally around the McGonagall of your choosing. Your work has meaning because you give it meaning. You take the time to say, this is about my work, but it's about so much more than that. Really, it's about blank. And you get to decide what your own blank is. How freaking cool is that? You can make your fill-in-the-blank about puppies, about getting puppies rescued, or funding puppy piles visiting children's hospitals, or making sure puppies are spayed and neutered, or producing puppy videos that go viral, or buying your own damn puppy. What you choose as your Professor McGonagall isn't nearly as important as actively, consciously choosing it. So, What is your Professor McGonagall? What is the thing that brings meaning to your business? And as always, the first answer is the right one. So pause, ask yourself, what is the deeper cause or force or meaning that you want to bring to your business? And write it down. You're not going to want to write it down. You're going to fight me on this. Write it down. Try not to let your asshole brain get weird and tell you that what you're choosing isn't big enough or deep enough or meaningful enough. As long as it makes your heart sing, it counts. This is a long-term goal. It's about bringing more of something big to the world. More love, more light, more hope, more joy, more freedom, more desire, more insert emotion here. Remember when I asked you how you want to feel way back in the other classes? That matters now. What is it you want to bring to the world? I guarantee that they're linked and that bringing that into your business to make meaning in that way is super valuable and only takes your magic and brings it even further to light. Your asshole brain is immediately going to judge whatever you choose as stupid or terrible or dumb 
were useless, but really, your asshole brain doesn't have any other defense because this shit is fucking awesome. It changes your business, it gives you a reason to wake up in the morning, and it makes the things you create infinitely more valuable because they're about socks or unicorn statues, yes, but they're also about actively bringing your best intentions for the world to light. So no matter what it is you sell or make or do, you can add a layer of meaning just because you choose to, because you choose to draw your, draw your attention there, because you choose to pursue more of some emotion or feeling or really positive thing in the world. As you actively make meaning, your asshole brain will kick in and tell you two things. One, you can worry about this later. And two, this doesn't apply to you for X reason. Your asshole brain naturally downplays the things you do most easily, as easy as breathing in many cases, saying that those things aren't valuable, worthwhile, or of use to the world at large. Worse, it actively tries to convince you that the skills the world finds most valuable, in reality, are the skills you should give away, that's what happens in your mind, for free, because it's so easy for you, how could you possibly be paid for it? Or you enjoy it so much, how could you possibly be paid for it? My own easiest breathing, i.e. magical, talents include seeing the path before a person clearly, feeling the places where people are lying to themselves, writing, sharing my words and life experiences in a vulnerable way, meaning that I'm willing to be vulnerable first, and helping people take meaningful action. It has taken intense amounts of discipline to charge for all those services. And when I say all those services, all those services, not just writing, because writing is easily quantified and therefore priced, and to keep charging as time goes on. It can be exquisitely painful and challenging to make people pay you for your magic. I get emails asking for freebies and telling sob stories and hoping for scholarships sometimes. It's hard to turn those down, but I have to for the sake of preserving my magic. I only have so much of it, meaning I only have so much energy in life, and it has to both sustain me and pay the bills. As you make meaning, it's your job to actively shape the reasons you'll give your magic away and to avoid giving it away for any other reason. So when you're running through and your asshole brain is like, I totally need to give this away, run it through these criteria and see if that's actually true. Perfectly healthy reason number one to give your magic away for free or at a reduced cost, experimentation. If I'm starting something new, different, or actively weird, I'll give magic away to get butts in the seats and have the chance to play with the concept. Likewise, if you're making a leap from shooting boudoir photography to teaching painting classes, you're experimenting and you'll naturally charge much less or free than you would if you had been teaching painting classes for the past five years and you were attended by loyal painting students everywhere you went. Perfectly healthy reason number two to give your magic away for free or at a reduced cost, feedback. This means your clients, buyers, peeps, and purchasers agree to give extensive feedback in exchange for a trial product or service. They agree that their feedback will actively shape the product or service in question, and they get billed for said product or service if they fail to provide feedback on a time frame of your choosing. It's just a really healthy boundary there. Perfectly healthy reason number three to give your magic away for free or at a reduced cost, reviews. This means your colleagues and peers receive copies of your work, a book, for example, or access to your services in exchange for reviews and or testimonials. You'll typically sell more of a product or service if it's got killer testimonials from respected peeps in your industry, and you know this, 
So you give them stuff free of charge. You might be asked or cajoled into giving your work away for, and I quote, exposure, unquote, referrals, or quote, getting the word out. This is to be reviewed on a case-by-case basis, but is often not a perfectly healthy reason to give your magic away. The ability to have, for me personally, this is my personal opinion, the ability to have an article read by hundreds of thousands of people who will no doubt write mean comments, probably not click over to my website, not opt into my magical fuck yeah club, and therefore not have the ability to hear from me, let alone give me money ever again, is not a worthwhile venture for me. The vast majority of huge publications that gather online resources, the Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, and Hello Giggles, for example, view writing for them as a, quote, contribution that's voluntary and as such pays in, quote, exposure. Remember, people, that in the winter, people die of exposure. Only you can determine whether an opportunity is truly helpful or not, but in most cases, can I recommend that it's not? I've watched so many clients over the years say yes to requests simply because they were afraid to say no. I've seen them agree to donate goods and services, photograph events, build websites, and literally bake baklava for requests that were inconvenient, annoying, and not the slightest bit interesting to them. The trouble is those requests use your magic. Please, please weigh each of those requests carefully against the energy it takes and the magic it takes instead of blindly agreeing and hoping for the best to come of exposure. Okay, so that's the end of that. There are so many ways to make meaning and there are also ways to make meaning just by protecting what you already have and allowing it to grow and cultivating it actively. As you lay this foundation, this is the next piece on your magical foundation, which is why the fuck do you do what you do and why does it matter? If you don't have that piece, you're going to give up on your business way, 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 way sooner than if you do have that piece. So it's really important to take the time when you listen to this, to have paused, to go back, to make peace with those failures, and then to say, what are those failures trying to teach me and what can I make happen in my business as a result of them? Your homework, ready. Magic, I want you to share your biggest failure's gift. So you don't necessarily have to share your biggest failure, but I would love for you to share the gift that came of it and one of your personal Voldemorts with the group. So the things that just make you irrationally like, oh my God, like they make you Jersey girl a little bit because they make you so angry. Oh my God, share that because those are interesting. Those are things that like other people, I don't know. I would imagine that wine sellers get really upset about the way that wines are displayed or sold. And I don't give a fuck. That's a, that's a personal Voldemort. It's not a universal. So share it and let's talk about it. Mogul. This is really important. I want you to tell the story of a failure and how that brought you to doing what you do for public consumption. And then add a call to action that relates to a product or service that you're selling. When I say that you're going to tell the story of a failure and how that brought you to doing what you're doing for public consumption, I mean that it's going to be shared. I don't care if it's an Instagram caption, if it's a Facebook post caption, if it's uh, on a blog, if it's to your email newsletter, whatever it is, you're going to make a story of your failure and its results available for public consumption with a call to action that gets people booking or buying. I know that's immensely challenging, So talk to me in the group and we will figure it out together. Finally, muggling. 
This is like the ultimate saying no part. Define the reasons you'll give your work, work away for free, and more importantly, when you will stop giving it away. So if there are places where you're giving your work or your time away for free, re-examine each one of them. Do I actually give a shit about this? Do I actually want to do this with all my heart? If you don't, stop doing it and take the steps that are necessary to stop doing it. That's your job today. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you in the group and uh, happy magicking, moguling, and muggling, guys. Don't write yourself off It's only in your head you feel left for listening. One more time, The Antidote is a series of monthly gatherings to help you come back to your body, your being, and your breath when it's most likely that you'll self-abandon. The Antidote is the antidote to trying to do everything all alone, all by yourself, while you grow more stressed and you're generally freaking out and telling everyone you're fine while quietly or not so quietly scream sobbing in a private place between tasks. Let's not do that. Let's try something different. This is a really simple format. One gathering a month on the first Tuesday of the month until the 2024 election. So we're practicing the skills that we will need in November now And we're getting really comfortable with body, breath, and being now. And that's available to you at jointheantidote.com. There's a free recording. You can sign up. You can get more details. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy.